0: And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller and the original Natty P And we are G220 Radio, as I said, this is episode number 453 We're going to be talking about youth leaving the church And so uh, we're going to get into that here And uh, we may have a uh, guest co-host join us uh, in, in a little while as well And we'll introduce him when he comes on But, but Natty
1: P, how we doing, brother? I'm tired. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's how I'm doing. Tired. tired. But it's good It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, definitely glad to have you. This is an important topic we're going to be talking about tonight. As all the topics that we do here on G220 Radio are important. Uh, and uh, this is one that uh, I'm sure we've all probably experienced in our lifetime, knowing some young young person, a youth in our churches that has walked away from the faith. Maybe it's even been us. At some point, uh, we're going to kind of talk about that here tonight. So it's a very important topic uh, we're going to deal with tonight. Uh, Mike Miller, brother, how are we doing?
1: I think he's having issues.
0: All right, Mike may be having some some issues. Uh, yeah, he is. So we'll let Mike try to figure that out uh, as he's doing that. Uh, so uh, we will uh, just keep rolling with the show. Um <laughs> Next week, man, we've got a – I'm excited about tonight, but next week we got a pretty good show. We're going to be talking about The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That's the title of the program, and we're going to be looking at that song in particular, the theology that we can take from that song, um, bad theology as it may be, uh, and other songs like that. And we're going to be talking about that here on uh, G220 Radio <clears throat> next week i'm looking forward to that what about you nathaniel
1: i'm just excited to find out if the devil actually gets in a bind because he's way behind or if that's just made up for uh fun fun yeah he is but uh and willing to I, make it, a deal right yeah i just uh also curious to know if uh there's anything in the bible about him being a uh, fiddler mm. he does come sky as an angel of light and the fiddle is one of uh the most heavenly instruments so perhaps
0: interesting interesting well i'll be looking forward to see what you're going to bring to that that uh conversation uh next week it should be a, it should be a lively one it should be an interesting one um not sure if mike is is uh with us mike are you there maybe not Mike was uh, attempting to play with some new toys tonight, and he might have set himself up for failure. <laughs> uh, but uh, hopefully, he'll come in, and uh, we'll we'll be able to get into this uh, conversation here tonight. And uh, so, this is going to be a, a very interesting topic. Like I said, I've experienced and seen young individuals leave the church, you know, walk away from the faith, right? And I've also, in my own, uh life, my own walk, I grew up in the church. And as I got older, and was able to make those decisions on my own as a teenager, and I started working, um, I pretty much stopped attending church. And it wasn't until, you know, I I came back to church when I was uh, truly saved. I I mean, I came back to church, I I, I came back from the military, I started going to church for basketball, I wanted to play basketball, and you had to show up to be able to play on their uh, Sunday evening basketball. And so I started to do that. But when I truly got saved uh, at 32 years old, um, I I went back into church. And so we're going to talk about that here tonight because, again, this is a very, very important conversation. Uh, And like I said, I've experienced that in my own personal walk of walking away from the church. And and thankfully, by the grace of God coming back, uh, and that's what we pray for all those who may at one point seem like they're being raised to know the Lord. That they would come back to that teaching, uh, but it's not always a guarantee. And sometimes people walk away, uh, and they stay away from the, the faith, and that is that is a sad, heartbreaking thing uh, to see. But um, we're going to talk about some of the reasons, maybe, and the factors as to why we are seeing that. Nathaniel, what about you, man? When we were thinking about this topic, kind of what kind of comes to mind? Any experiences mm. uh, or or thoughts on uh, maybe seeing youth go through this, or maybe even your own personal walk?
1: I don't know. Um, obviously, you had in, intimated uh, not going to church when you're an unconverted person. Um, I'm sure there were times that I slept in on Sunday when I was unconverted. But I guess the first thought, um, like you always see these studies that say so many such and such percent of the youth are leaving church, and um, I guess the first thought that comes to my mind is, is what are they leaving? Um, cause a lot of times we see, um, the youth go to a church with youth ministry or, or whatever. And, and they're really walking away from, uh, fun and games. Uh, they go to college and find out that the fun and games that you can have in college are a lot more fun than, uh, some of the corny stuff that happens in youth group. Uh, and so I guess that that would be my starting place is what are, what are they actually walking away from? Yeah. Um, are, are they? Because it's, it's like, do we have a bunch of Demases, uh walking away because they love the world too much? Or do we just have a bunch of people who came for a good time, who found a better time, I guess would be the uh, question I'd have. Yeah.
0: And I think that before we, we really start to get into this this conversation, I think it's important to let everybody know, most of our listeners already know, uh, we here at G220 Radio are reformed in our theology. Uh, so when it comes to um, <clears throat> soteriology, we believe that God is the one who saves. It is God who does the work in the heart of an individual. And so we're going to be talking more from a practical level as far as when we say somebody walking away from the faith or walking away from the church not that someone who truly is born again will do that. We, we understand you can have a period of time maybe where you, I don't even want to say backsliding because that's um, such a negative. I mean, there's so many things that can be thrown in with with that phrase. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> but we understand that it is God who saves and those people who have been saved by Christ. Uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, they will not walk away. They may have a period of time where they have doubt. They may have a period of time where they struggle with some sin in their life, as we all, as <clears throat> excuse me, as believers in Christ, will go through seasons where we may have some struggles, some issues in our faith. But uh, those individuals will definitely, because of the Holy Spirit that indwells them, be convicted of their sin and brought back into. They'll be chastised and brought back into right fellowship with the lord um so from a practical level though what we're we're gonna try to uh i'm sorry here let me get mike back in here knocking but what we're gonna do from a, a practical level is we're gonna look at this so i want our listeners to understand we are reformed we understand the soteriology but as we are talking about this we are stating how in this practical level of thing or practical looking at it from a practical perspective that uh we may see people who are in the church or in to, to be walking in the faith and they may walk away, um, <clears throat> and some of the factors that play into that. Uh, again, someone who's a true believer wouldn't do that. We do have Mike with us. Mike, how are we doing, brother?
2: Um, I'm doing pretty good outside of, as you've mentioned, trying to play with new toys and my computer deciding to not like to do anything. Uh huh. So I had a quick restart, try to get everything. Back to going normal.
0: Good. Well, we are we are glad to have you back with us because uh, we'll make the show more interesting with the three of us and then uh, our fourth guest co-host whenever he's able to join and jump in with us. But um, yeah. as we were talking about this, we were talking about how we are reformed, uh, so we do believe in the sovereignty of God in salvation. However, uh-huh. in a practical level. When we're talking about this, people walking away from the church, we're going to talk about some of the reasons as to why, what may pull someone away. Ultimately, we know, again, I'm reiterating this, that salvation is of the Lord. Somebody who's truly saved won't walk away. Mike, you want to add anything to that before we continue to to move on with this?
2: Yeah. I think that's the important aspect to remember that there is no, there is nothing you can do to kind of prevent People from walking away um, from it. So even the ideas that may be presented, while biblical, while you should do them, it doesn't mean you have like no one walking away from the faith. Now you may have no one attend, which I guess could help you, but um, I do think it. We need to remember that no method no no matter how genuine it is will prevent all of your kids in a youth ministry to um, be christians when you're done when right. they have left but nonetheless there is important things that i think we as a church in general um neglect and i think it causes it even though the the facts are disputed there's actually no actual survey that gives us how many teens walk away from their faith in college Mm
0: -hmm.
2: in fact when this became a big problem all it was was one guy asking youth pastors tell me about how many people how a percentage of people that walk away um when they get to college that you've experienced. And they all just kind of had numbers, Um, which is not a very scientific way to do that. But I do think the, the, the point to be made is it does happen. It happens more than we want. And the question is, why is it happening? And how do we try to stop that? And I think both of those questions... To answer that, it is, what does the Bible say about both of those questions to begin with? And I think when we get to that question, we can start addressing it. And that's why you kind of have, you know, three different schools of thought when it comes to try to solve this issue.
0: Yeah. And and I know you brought up about statistics, but I was looking at some um, and I got three things here to point out. Um, that I was looking at as I was preparing for this this program here tonight, and so according to Barna, okay, they do they take these surveys, they do these these you know uh, surveys all, and try to compile some data, right? Again, it's never 100 percent effective, you know they're they're surveying so many people and and, and whatnot. <clears throat> Make sure here, okay, um, and so but Barna says over 60 percent of young people raised in the church leave before adulthood. Okay, this is, again, this is they're compiling this data. In May of 2015, a poll was released that shows that millennials are leaving the church in historic numbers, okay? Uh, And also here, another uh, statistic that I have is in January of 2018, Barna, again, shared that the percentage of Generation Z, the group of, of youngs that are following the millennials, Uh, that identifies as atheist is double that of the U.S. adult population. So the way that they're making it sound here in this survey is that they're just leaving the church in droves. Like these young people are leaving. And so that's what we're wanting to talk about as you was laying that out there, Mike, tonight here on this program is what are some of the factors that are causing this? What are some of the things that are leading to this? And um, I, I, I was thinking about, A few years back, I started to come into a more, uh, maybe it was longer than a few years back, but I started to come into a more uh, family integrated style of uh, worship, you know, when it comes to church. And by doing that, it caused me to study a little bit more and then also seeing the role of the, the, the priesthood of the believer within the home and how the importance of the family. And, and I want to get into that because I think that's that's more of a root cause there. There's some other contributing factors that have caused these mm-hmm. people from leaving, but the root cause there being this this in the home. How, what are we doing in the home to try to uh, teach our kids and, and bring them in that way? Um, guys, go ahead and uh, carry on from that thought. I'm going to go and try to help Jason uh, get in.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Mike.
0: Yeah, so
2: as you mentioned, You know, you have five million grade. I think that is helps us to identify. And then um, kind of the history you have more modernly, the Sunday school method where the kids go to their separate service, their kind of Sunday school. And then most of the time nowadays, they have their own separate church service. They attend like geared towards them. Um, so that's your other extreme. Now there is a middle position called a family equipping model. It's what I was taught at, at seminary, not saying that it's the right one, just saying that's what was taught when I was there. And where you try to have the best of both worlds that you try to equip the parents to teach their kids and then a student pastor and what, or whatever, tries to then teach the kids they there. So it's a two pointed s- spear instead of just having the youth pastor and the kids are only with the youth pastor. Um, the family equipment model tries to bring the family in. And then as you mentioned, Ricky um, the family integrated model, which kind of does away with um, Sunday school and which is what the church has done for most of its entirety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there are those are kind of your three positions um, in that way. And I think that's important because each one of those are going to try to address this question in a different way. And I do think two out of the three answer it better. And then I think one does have a, a better um, answer for it. And I think um, as we discuss it, you'll probably see very quickly What method that is. Yeah. Leaving some suspense.
0: Right. Right. Um, So as you can see, we have our our guest co-host with us here tonight, Jason Saab. Uh, Jason, brother, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the to the the listeners and uh, give a little bit of your insight on this topic that we're going to be talking about tonight as well.
3: Oh, sure. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Haven't seen you for a while. Missed you. Um, Jason Saab, uh, founder of Appalachian Crime Ministries. Um, My interest in this, I guess, goes back to when I started in ministry because I started in ministry and um, I come from a little different perspective because being raised a Roman Catholic, I wasn't raised and marked with uh, 20, 30, 35 years, whatever, of bad Protestant teaching. Ministry and so, so he, uh, I did which uh, ended terribly at the time, but looking back, it was a blessing. And so, that was kind of my interest when I saw you post this. I'm like, Well, this is very interesting. So, whether or not I was going to be on, I was going to definitely watch and tune in to see what, uh, see if anything has changed since I've been on the front lines of uh, youth ministry. So, yeah,
0: Nathaniel, was there anything you was going to say before? uh, before i stepped out
3: oh
1: no i mean <clears throat> you were just talking about the root uh being the family and i was going to comment um comment that i that I agree um with that assessment um i've been reading a, a book by tim bailey uh called uh, daddy tried it's about fatherhood and uh one section he mentions uh talking about uh Parents that go to church, and uh, I forget the exact statistics, but, but overwhelmingly, um, if you had a father uh, that attended church and it was just the father, it even had uh, more more uh, retention, as it were, of uh, the, the, the children staying in church than it would be if it was just the mother, um, just showing how important uh, the fatherhood is in um, leading the family that way um, as it says in the Bible in Deuteronomy 6 gives the charge and then uh, to, to, to for fathers to lead their children and then that again is given in, I believe it's Ephesians uh, to bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord so um, I think that is a, a pro- probably a root uh, aspect as as we discuss the family is um, insofar as uh, The Utes uh, stop and attend church.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really I think when we get into this, we'll we'll see that this is really the that's the root uh, of the of this matter, because uh, and and we'll get into it more. I don't want to kind of jump ahead, but uh, we'll definitely get that. But I wanted to talk about a few contributing factors in this as well. And so, again, we're going to get into some of those things. Uh, let's talk a little bit, as we we've kind of already set the stage on this. But uh, let's talk about this. You know, the 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 Sunday school type mentality As Mike, you were saying this really is a new concept. This is not something that is is uh, uh, been around in the church from since the beginning. Uh, parents just taught their children Deuteronomy six. You know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, teach these things to your your children diligently. You know, and so this is a a biblical. Uh, construct that we are to raise our children to know the Lord. And we would bring our children to, to uh, the gathering together with the saints and partake of that um, and, and to, to, to raise them to know the Lord. Now, the Sunday school model, it's a couple hundred years old. It came around. uh, Just like a lot of things, you know, there's probably really great intentions uh, wanting to try to get, because in in that environment, wanting to try to get these young people who were working to help their family and not able to go to school, a way to read, but also doing that by using the Bible and getting them to know the word of God uh, and to evangelize them and to teach them these things. So not necessarily being something wicked or evil, but as we've seen it progress in the Western church. Um, I think the focus has kind of shifted a lot from so much of and, and there are probably churches that do it better than others, you know, but but I'm saying that the, the it's probably shifted or we've seen it shift from being this focus of trying to 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 do this as a teaching tool to bring these children to know the Lord into a more entertaining, let's just kind of watch the kids while the parents go sit in the main church. You know, and so let's talk about that a little bit here in the Sunday School Church and kind of what we've seen it develop into, Mike.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously you can think of churches with big budgets who have separate youth areas with their own sound systems and sanctuaries or worship centers, whatever they want to call them. And you've um, cut off family worship. At a church, I think that's the issue. When you start getting into um, some of these, is the kid, the kids are not watching their parents worship, and there's something I think important there. And when we think about the development of, I mean, just this this age segregation, you have it in public schools. It's now it's in the church it's in school in general, where like the kids are just around themselves. And I think, um, one problem with this is discipleship Mm. and that the Bible calls for older women to teach younger women. Now in the context of that in Ephesians, um, two or not Ephesians two, sorry, first Timothy two, first Mm. Timothy four, I'll get it right. Eventually. It's one of those pastoral pistols. now as I think about it. Um, but you have this adm- admiration. Now, when Paul is writing this, he's talking about probably people over 40, discipling people under 40. That's kind of the idea. Well, kids fit in that. And there's a, a structure there. And that cur- kids learn not just from their parents, but from others and seeing. So if you put all the kids into one classroom and then have adult Maybe some high school students, if they're younger. Well, what? I mean, they're just learning and seeing um, all of what they're doing. And they're not really in a position for discipleship. And when we start cutting that off, so they're not watching their parents. They're not being discipled by others in other generations outside of a youth pastor or a youth leader, whatever it may be. And so you've kind of cut it. Not only that, if you believe that the church is together, now you have like adult church and kids church, and you have all these other churches meeting together, but you're not meeting together in unity um, with it. And I think, you know, is there a place for Sunday school? I think so. But I think there's also a time in which everyone meets together to worship. And I think when we segregate so much that not everyone meets together in one place for worship, you really destroy a a child seeing their parent worship and seeing how to act and to to sing praises and to what it looks like to pray and to sit diligently and listen to the word of God and Mm -hmm. having that focus Because from what I can tell, while there's a lot of exciting stuff, it's not always sound teaching, which I think is another issue altogether.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You guys want to go ahead and jump in anytime and share any thoughts that you heard um, or came to mind as you was listening?
3: I think one thing, um, that uh, I know, our church we don't uh, we don't do the youth. Uh, we we do up to about I think maybe third grade. Up to third grade, we have some kind of a Sunday school that they're in, or that they're we don't call kids church, but more of a Sunday school that they're kind of in. And and I think there's some wisdom uh, in, in cutting it off at a very young age or I remember, um, when I was studying all this and preaching through it and getting fired from my first church, uh, Jeff Knoblet, I think uh, offered some really good wisdom and he made mention of, um, uh, about, because of, you know, the family integrated church model was on like one camp and then you had the full-blown youth ministry on the other camp, like you guys were talking about when I came in. And, but the thing is, you know, when you have a child, um, Uh, and i've been to both different churches but like in in the nursery for example you know some people when they bring their children in and there's no nursery and they knee-jerk one way then the child learns the church is where i come to eat snacks and play with toys and that's when i come to do it and so you go to take those away from the child and they get you know um so there may be some wisdom in in doing that but but in the same token it's almost like a cancer because the minute you let that division start, you know, where does it stop? And it can grow. And And I think some churches, it, it, it's manifested. And then you have some churches I've seen where they try to, I guess, bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way I can see it anywhere possibly working reasonably well is um, uh, we're, we're actually considering doing something like this on a smaller scale. Like I said, we cut them off, I think, second or third grade, but that whatever the pastor is preaching on that is the same thing given in the Sunday school lesson. So both the children and the rest of the family get the same thing. And then there's helpers sent home with mom and dad. So they can't pass their, their, their duty off to evangelize and disciple their kids. And they can take what we learned in church in a, in a lesson and apply it that week to their children. Mm-hmm. So it kind of helps them along, um, that way. That's, you know, but, it, but I think, I think Mike hit it, um, on the head to some of the things he was talking about, uh, the, the roots of it and all the way back to what you were saying with the Sunday school being a new, a new thing. Am I, am I, am I correct in uh, thinking? I, I remember reading somewhere. I thought the Sunday school actually was a product of the prisons. Didn't that start in the prisons and eventually get transferred into the church. The churches started that in the, in the prisons. Right. And then that, then they brought it, that model into the church itself. Is, am I dreaming that or did I read that somewhere in church history?
2: I cannot say here or there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I believe it was over in, in, in the UK there where they were trying to, to bring about this, um, not in prisons necessarily, but uh, and I could be wrong, but I remember when I was studying this and looking at this, uh, and this was years ago, uh, but uh, that it was started because you had, when you, when you go back in history a couple hundred years ago, there was a lot of uh, what we don't see today the children going and getting jobs to help their parents because there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of you know uh, families that are struggling. And so young children were going to work and they were missing school. They weren't able to go to school. So when this was developed was, it was a way of these children who are not getting an education, we're gonna bring them into this Sunday school, this day that there is no work because even back then they recognized the Lord's day as being a day of, of, of rest and a day of worshiping the Lord. Um, Not like we see in our society today, but they they brought them in to try to teach them how to read, to teach them how to read. And they were using the scriptures to do that. Uh, And then this this Sunday school kind of began to develop from that there. Uh, But that's interesting. I'd have to go back uh, because I don't want to be wrong in that uh, or giving wrong information. I'd have to go back and look, too. Um, But when it was a few years back, I think when the family integrated uh, movement started really picking up some steam, Uh, And I was doing some research on that back then. Um, That's what I was, uh, uh, I recall. Um, But again, I could be wrong. Somebody can correct us and send it to g220radio at gmail.com if you know anything about that.
1: I've heard the same thing, so you're probably right. Not that me hearing something is like the test for truth, but two witnesses.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so you have this, you know, um... Like like you were saying, Jason, they they're, they try to bridge the gap or try to find a balance to do this well. And, and that's why I say I don't want to broad brush this and say that if you do Sunday school that there are churches that just completely do it all wrong. I think there are some churches that probably are investing and doing well in that to try to, uh, like you said, bridge that gap, you know, Jason, um, to, to balance that out. Um, but then as we talk about the other models in that, I think what, you're, what you were talking about, Mike, there with the, the family integrated model. Uh, or even to where they bring them in up to a certain age, maybe three, four years old, uh, they let them go out uh, at a certain time after a few songs or so, and then they, bring that, or they take them in to, to sit with their own age group. Um, and then after you know, four or five years old, they just let them stay in the church, for, you know, um, or whatever it may be, uh, second grade, third grade. They let them stay in the church with their parents growing up. So even in that, I think, like you were saying, Mike, they get to see – their parents worshiping. They get to see the older men, the older women um, praying together in a corporate setting, taking of the Lord's supper in a corporate setting, uh, watching the baptisms take place in a corporate setting. Uh, They're getting to take part of those means of grace. Uh, And uh, I I said that with a smile because looking at Nathaniel to see if the stars popped in the Presbyterian eyes uh, to partake of those means of grace. But, um, You know, but but there's able to to partake of that and to see that uh, in their family's life and understand and see how this is important. Um, But I think as we get into this as as well, because, again, I think there's there's a root cause that uh, when we talk about the parenting and raising your kids, we have to be we have to be mindful of just taking them to church, even if it's in a family integrated model. On, on the Lord's Day, and them watching that and, and seeing you participate in those things, but then not living it out the rest of the week doesn't really help them to discern what is true biblical uh, Christian life, right?
1: Yeah, um, a verse that came to mind as Mike was talking about, about that initially was, um, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So um, from that, we draw the principle that uh, a lot of discipleship than would happen through imitation, um, and so the the godly mentors or godly older men. I mean, you you don't have to go to um, a men's book study uh, to get discipled. Like uh, you, you go work on a, a, a project, build a fence, or whatever, whatever, whatever he's doing with an older man, and you're gonna pick up a lot of godly, manly wisdom from him. Um, and the same would no doubt be true just being in the Sunday service, the children with the, with the older men and everything. Um, I think that that imitation principle is there. Um, Mike had also uh, talked about how uh, the, the, the older and younger kind of having maybe a, a, an undertone of 40 plus and 40 minus kind of a, a split with it. With um, And a lot of times what you'll see in, in, in youth ministry, as, as someone else had already indicated, is, is um, people who are not really that much older who don't have that older status. Like you get one, usually what I've seen in, I haven't seen a lot, but what I've seen is uh, the first stop out of uh, some young kid getting out of Bible college or seminary is he, he gets a job as a youth pastor until he can work his way up to some other level associate. And um, so he's, he gets a chance to make all his mistakes and heresies and, and, uh, poor preaching in front of the children that uh as though that doesn't matter um before he gets kicked up to the the major leagues i guess but um i think i think what you need is even at a very young age you need a steady hand an aged hand uh a crown full of gray hair uh, yeah sorry. to help uh guide those children in the nurture and admonition of the lord uh as 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 a supplement uh to what they get at home
0: right
2: yeah, I think you, I mean, there's an important part. So, even if you go out of kind of family integration, move into what is kind of known as family equipping, that's what I was, how it was described to me, kind of what um, Jason was uh, describing, or they're moving farther, you know, into the Sunday school. I do think not only the family, but just theological training that youth ministries tend to. Minimize theology or water it down, um, thinking they can't grasp it. And I think that's the wrong um, way to think about it. And even in my own teaching, so I teach um, second to fifth grade, we do it Wednesday night during our prayer meeting. Um, Those students have to sit through both services on Sunday. And so this is a time for them. And I take it seriously. Um, with it and for the past now four years we have been doing um the baptist catechism and now we've moved into the nicene creed and i think there's value in both and and why to do it first off um so they understand that this is not just something new there is there is a groundedness in what we're teaching but also that i think theology matters and in that i have a better way to teach them the gospel and i mean just a couple um sundays ago one of my students was baptized mm. um now her parents um are godly parents and and raise their kids in the fear and admiration of the Lord so it's not just my work but i was part of it i taught her for three years now and going through those um, questions and talking about, you know, what are the means of grace? How does um, Christ bring about salvation? What does it mean that Christ is King? What does it mean that Christ is prophet and to go? And I think a lot of times we see in youth ministries, they they don't want to talk about it. It's all practical how to have, really kind of that best life now and not challenging the students to think theologically, but also critically, which they're not most aren't getting in their um, schools in And so not only to ground them in a theology, but then how does this apply and what makes us different than Mormons or Catholics or the atheists and agnostics? And how do we defend what we believe and what we do it. And when you get to college, I mean, what's the one thing they attack Christianity. If you don't have the answers, well, you're going to be easily persuaded. Right. And I think that's where, even if you go, apart from you go with the Sunday school route, there's a big miss there in trying to teach them to do it. Now they can't do it one hour a week. You know, that's where the parents have to come and help and shape that and continue that education. And I'm upfront with this parents, what we're teaching. So they know. And and I also try to integrate it with our church. The reason we learned the Nicene Creed is on the first Sunday of every month we recite the Nicene Creed. So not only do they get it every month, they now hopefully will understand what they're saying when they also recite the creed back um, as we do as a corporate um activity. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think uh Ricky I was looking back and thinking about you know the whole your The show is uh, this episode, rather, is uh, exiting youth. Why are they exiting the church, I think? And I I think we're hearing the the answer to this, which has been on many of us have been dialed into its youth ministry. And and I've often described I've got a message I've, I've preached a while back. It's called Confessions of a Youth Pastor. And that has got me in trouble a couple times, but 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 I equate youth ministry to like if you think of a NASCAR race, right? Regardless if you're a NASCAR fan, you know you got the bright colors and the and the the, the engines, forty-two cars running eight hundred horses, and that mile all around the track. That's biblical Christianity. Youth ministry is taking like a bag of skittles and flushing them down the commode and watching them swirl around the toilet. Bowl. <laughs> that that's the analogy I give. That's that's the analogy. And and, and the reason why is there is, and this is what got me yanked into a pastor's office, the very first place I was a youth pastor. He heard me say this, and he got me yanked physically by the arm in his office and the door slammed behind me. And it's this, there is no biblical mandate for youth ministry, period, end of discussion. That's it. There's no biblical mandate, and it, and when I said that out in the secretary's office it was right in front of his office, he yanked me in the door, and he pulled me in. Got I could still smell his breath that morning, and he said, "If you," he said, "I know that's true, but if you ever say that outside these doors, you're going to have big trouble with me," and that's how disingenuous he was. The fact is. I come from a Catholic background. Okay. And, and, and when I, when I was doing all these things, because we were trying to model the, 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 the typical, you know, pizza, dodgeball and slap a verse of Jesus on the end, the entertainment model, because we wanted the parking lot full and I had the parking lot full, but when I started falling under biblical teaching from real men who understand the Bible, like Vodi Bacham and Paul Washer and those guys, I started seeing how broken this was. And I tried to apply those biblical principles. So instead of the pizza and the dodgeball and all the foolishness, right? And I'm telling you, I was into it up to here. Everything we make fun of and I would mock now, I was part of. And I was I repented of that that mess, and I'm ashamed of it. Um, but the, those those things, when I started preaching the gospel, and I think to go to Mike's point back where this goes, the creeds and everything—that's great. But these kids need the gospel. And, 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 and they need also to understand we need to speak to these kids like, you know, like they have a brain, not caught a woman try to patronize. I and mean, I was watching something today. It was funny. The show was coming on the night. I was watching something today about how many kids, uh, even and some of you guys, you, you've all been, I think, at college campuses. I'm sure you've seen one or two guys at a college campus that, that have come up that have never considered the law of non-contradiction.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And when you try to explain that in the context of worldviews, it just some of them that just blows their mind. They've never thought of it that way, and you see the light bulb come on. And so, I think we do definitely need to need to reason with them. But I but I think we go back and, and see the the root of the problem of why kids are leaving. Mass exodus is 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 because of youth ministry. Because we have usurped parental authority. We've gone against Deuteronomy six. We've gone against Ephesians five fifteen through six four. We've gone against those. We've usurped the authority. We've taken it away. And and what I have seen as an outsider coming in from the Catholic church into the Protestant faith is the church over 30, 40 years telling parents, we're the experts Give them to us. You don't know what you're doing. And that's what parents have done. And they've abdicated their duty. And then they expect in that one hour on Sunday to offset the other 166 or whatever hours during the week that their kids get into. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a mess of our own making, so to speak. And, you know, that's, I think that's the crux of why we're seeing the exit that, that, we're, that we're seeing in, in the church. And until we get back to the gospel, until we get back to holding parents biblically accountable, um, you know, it's the old adage. Look at, you know, look at the country right now. As the church goes, so goes the world.
0: Well, I think it's a really important. And what you said there is this idea that the church is saying, hey, we're the experts. Now, the right. church is absolutely important. The church is vital to the life of a believer. But this idea when it came to youth ministry is, hey, we're the experts. Because have we not... Brothers, have we not seen that played out in the adult lives of people where when you come to them and say, hey, man, uh, are you reading the scripture? Hey, what are you what are you learning this week in the in the uh, the word of God? And they say, what are you talking about? Or you say, hey, man, have you have you been uh, have you been able to share the gospel with anybody, you know, um, lately? How did that go? Um, And they're like, "Uh, that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. (laughs) You know, so you see the effect of that Mm -hmm. from that youth of this mindset of, hey, Only these people in these positions are the ones that have that type of uh, ability or knowledge. They're the experts. Um, Where the the true biblical understanding and knowledge is that God gives these pastors and teachers and evangelists to the church to build up the body so that they can go. Um, So we're not called to be just laymen who are uninformed or unlearned in the scriptures. And that is part of the huge reason why those they're so easily accepting of those youth, youth ministries and sending those kids off there because they're failing as parents. And I think we can kind of move into that, that root cause there of the, the responsibility of parents before God, these children that are given to us as gifts, and we are to raise them, to know the Lord. And we push that gift away or that responsibility away, I should say, Uh, to this youth ministry or to the church and say, Hey, you got them for an hour or two hours a week, teach them how to know the Lord. And then you, you just completely have no responsibility in it, but they're your responsibility. God's given them to you.
3: Right. It's a whole subculture too. And it's 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 uh, it's the Fox garden the head house when it comes to. I mean, there are there are businesses that just make screen t-shirts for youth ministry events. There are businesses that just put on events and concerts for youth ministry and so on and so forth. And you look at you look at a mess like Lifeway, right? And you can trace that back all the way back. If you you do your homework and go all the way back. Uh, they used to Published Vody Bachum stuff. I think the Ever Loving Truth was the last one they published. And he, I will never forget, there was a conference. I think it was in Glorietta, Georgia, or something like that. Anyway, he he uh, he preached this message and started down that path of youth ministry and was quickly away from Lifeway. Why? Because Lifeway was a, it was multi million dollar business a year. You think of all the money sold, made, selling youth materials and youth workbooks and Sunday school this and vacation that. And it's the Fox garden, the henhouse. house. They, they don't, they don't want to find a, the, the biblical answer for it because look how much money Christian publishers stand to lose uh, as well as other businesses tied to it. It's, it's, it's the Fox garden, the hen house. And it's a whole subculture that's been created. That's why seminaries now have, think about this for a minute, brothers. <laughs> We've got seminaries that have degrees for something that is not, there's no biblical mandate for riddle me that. How does that happen? So, I mean, it's, it's the core of why there's the Exodus. And what we're seeing now is a manifestation of, of 30, 40, 50, 60 years of this that started and if memory serves me right with well, the first the grounds of youth ministry we see Saul, i believe started after world war ii when many men didn't return home right and there was a, an effort to to do this to disciple the church come alongside the the widows and the orphans so to speak and and that kind of got whittled into the what we know today as the youth ministry youth pastor model i think is where that started from but if you think about it and one of you one of you said it we're talking i think it was nathaniel was talking about um how these these youth pastors are in such close age proximity. You know, what does is, what is that 20-year-old know to teach a 17-year-old about being a biblical husband, a priest, prophet, protector, and provider, or same way with, with ladies? And then I think also you set um, those young men up for failure because they're young, they're susceptible. Some of them aren't even probably saved. You know, they got product in their hair, holes in their head, and they got the look going on. And what happens? They fall, whether it's pornography or something. Usually it's pornography or something like that. And now you have all these kids that put all their trust in this guy because he was their Jesus. And now you just messed up a whole bunch of other. But it all goes back to doing something. There is no biblical mandate. And the argument is always, well, what about kids that don't have parents? Well, where would you rather your kid be with a 17 or 18, 19, 20 year old? you know, the companion of fools, or would you rather be with another family that's displaying a biblical model of discipleship and and, and the family model? I'd rather have my, I'd rather see a kid in our church with them. Or I think an untapped resource, I'm going on a rant here, but the untapped resource is even grandparents, right? There's grandparents, aunts, and uncles that have raised their kids, godly kids, godly families. They're in the church. They would just love the opportunity to come along and, you know, shepherd and disciple those kids like that yeah, but those are those are all reasons why it's why we're seeing the exodus. we're we're seeing the rotten fruit of what's been sown for several years,
2: yeah, and I think you can even apply this to the church growth movement that minimized, again the gospel and these kids go with their families to the church. They receive something similar in their youth ministry. um their parents not receiving deep studies of the scripture. You know, what of nine ways to have a better marriage or something like that, and they claim to be Christians. They claim to be all these things, and you see the hypocrisy in it. And you mentioned, you know, you see the hypocrisy in the leader. You see your parents as hypocrisy. Um, maybe even the pastor, in in some way, having a hip um, a hypocritical life. And well, what do they conclude? Well, this must not be true, because I see all these people, and they're hypocrites. Or they're, you know, they say the love, but they hate, you know, Black Lives Matter. Or hate the LGBTQ. And and there's, so there's some cultural influences that help out too. And I think, you know, you have all these different areas. You have the church seen as the professional and parents just seeing the church as a daycare. So they can worship and not be distract, distracted. Yep. Um, so, you, you know, again, the theological implications of that, when you consider a weak gospel preached, um, you know, with it. And so there is this kind of weak idea, weak theology, and it, it plays out with now people of that generation saying, well, I don't want to go back to church. Yeah. I don't, you know, I see these hypocrites, they get to college, they get inundated by, you know, atheistic and agnostic thoughts that seek to disprove. Well, they're just, I mean, they're really ripe in for the taking at that point. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, and I don't think youth ministries necessarily lead to that, although they can, but as we've kind of mentioned, the parents need to lead in not only having a home that is gospel rooted and shows the displays of saving grace and you know the parents teaching their kids the gospel and then the church helps whether it's through you know a Sunday school or youth ministry or even just having them in the service in which they hear the deep teaching and the gospel proclamation
0: um, in the sermon. Yeah, and like you was saying there, Mike, this when you have this product of a weak gospel, a you know um, a view of this youth ministry that's an unbiblical model of it, and you're pumping this into your your children, then the adults can, that are staying in the church are just coming up in this same type of weak, unbiblical teaching, and there, there's not really a lot of depth in their understanding of theology, uh, and the practice of that. Um, and then you add in these contributing factors. So now the parents aren't doing it at home. Uh, the church is doing a poor job. I'm not and we're not I'm not broad brushing all the churches. I'm saying the churches in general, that we see with these these really bad youth ministries that are really just about entertaining the kids rather than bringing them up in uh, an understanding of of biblical theology. And then you add in these uh, contributing factors in the world that that play a huge part, a huge part. You have media when it comes to music, TV, movies. Um, you have the friends, the influence of friends. You know, uh, I think, Mike, you was talking about it, you know, when they get to, to college and they get to around these other people who are doing things that, hey, look, I think, Jason, you even said in the beginning, um, th- there's this thing that you're doing at the church and then you find something that's even more fun over here. Like, we're doing some games over here, but now we're having some, some real games over here and we're doing some other stuff here that's more entertaining, you know, or... This concert that I go to looks just like the one at the church, but this one's a little bit better, you know. Um, and so these are playing a part. So the the media, the friends, the schools, as we mentioned, the, the coming up in public school, being indoctrinated um, by this. And again, I'm not broad brushing and saying that if you send your children to public school, I personally homeschool, but I'm not saying if you do that, you know, I understand there are circumstances where people have to do those and make those those uh, those calls. But those thing, those schools are indoctrinating your children. Um, absolutely and and then you get into these seminaries uh these colleges or I say, well even some seminaries you get into these colleges they're indoctrinating your children with wrong teaching uh, unbiblical teaching oh, and then you got the corporations and government that are just putting on more stuff in the in society and we're all we're seeing it all in 2020 but i mean um all that stuff plays a part so uh guys let's talk about those those contributing factors here just jump in and and lay it out there
1: Yes, yeah, so I think uh, Mike kind of brought up uh, full circle um, uh, where we started. What we When he said the uh, growth at the beginning, we asked, what like, what exactly are they leaving? Um, the gr- church growth movement, the uh, attractional church model, uh, all that stuff was, uh, like Jason had said, uh, whenever uh, his confession of the youth minister, uh, p- fill in the parking lot, you know, uh, putting butts in the seats and whatnot. Um, it really... I mean, even the survey. We look at the survey. X number of percentage of of students go away to college and stop going to church. And so that's what it. This that's what this model is 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 about. It's not about uh, your faith or or being a Christian so much as it's about do you do you go to church? And I mean, even even uh, common parlance for trying to discern someone's faith is like um, you, you might ask them, do you go to church? You don't say like, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? It's like, so inundated in, into us and into the air we breathe that we, it's not, it's, 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 do you go to church? And so when they walk away, um, they're walking away, not from, uh, necessarily a faith, but they're walking away from going to church. Um, and so that all comes from the attractional church, which as, as you said, Ricky, um, Pedals that soft, weak gospel that um, many times is no gospel at all because uh, it really doesn't cost anybody anything. It doesn't really cost God that much. It doesn't cost you uh, anything at all. It's nothing but a bunch of cheap grace. Um, and so the, the church is failing in that, um, both to parents and children. And then um, when that gets watered down in youth ministry, um, and ju- just coming back to the parents, um it really is the parents' job uh, to both educate and catechize their children. And for so long, uh, since the early 1900s, we've been shipping our children. I was shipped off to, to public school to, to an institution that was invented to take God out of education and take kids away from their parents. And um, so they're not getting the, the Christian education where God's the author of all things. He's, he's, he owns math. He owns science. He owns Uh, religion he owns philosophy he owns all these things and now it's uh, uh this godless education so they're not getting the catechesis nor the education that glorifies god and um when parents fail to catechize their children to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the lord there's all those other people who are willing to catechize your kids so if you don't catechize your kids if you don't teach them to love jesus even though they may not be converted yet someone's going to do it for you they're just going to be teaching them about a different god as 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 you said ricky the the culture we i mean turn on netflix they're going to get a whole world of education and in, in in the gods of our culture um and, and with the school with the, with school ship them off they're going to get educated not about the true god but some god um and it's everywhere all over the tv and so so whenever you are 40 hours a week at school, uh, three hours a day at home with the television, the, the, the Fortnite, and whatever else, uh, you're getting catechized by. So <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Jason. Um, not really, uh, all those, all those things, all those extra hours of education that your kids aren't getting about God. Um, wh- why, why wouldn't they stop going to church?
0: And, and when you said three hours a day with TV or whatever, I I would, I would say that it's probably a lot higher with media these days because of the smartphone. You know what I mean? Like, I I mean, I, I, we've all been to college campuses, right? I mean, how many kids do you have to actually stop because their heads are down with their earpieces in listening to music? Um, even in high school, right? They're taking their phones and, and, Again, the, the teachers can't even get involved. This is a whole nother topic. They can't really even get involved to discipline kids anymore. So who's going to take away your cell phone in school? You could be listening to music all day. So you're, you're inundated with this stuff.
3: Yeah, there's an interesting shift. I noticed um, a while back, of course, now, I, I coach youth sports a lot and, I, and I've noticed a, a transition of kids. They don't have something stimulating them in their face. But, but even before that, if you remember you guys growing up, I don't know what, what you guys had growing up, but like the, the Nintendo or the the, P, the original PlayStation or whatever, do you ever notice how you had to get to a certain point in the game to save? And if mm-hmm. you didn't get there, you had to go all the way back to the beginning. Nowadays, just like Netflix, maybe think of it, Netflix, right? You don't have to wait till the next week to see the next episode. You can sit there and binge as long as you want blow through an entire thing. Same way with video games. You can sit there and uh, the Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4, you, you can sit there and, and play all as much as you want and save at any point. All the games are made like that now. So we, we're, we're, we've seen this culture shift where it's gotten even worse because now the media that we like, now that media is available, like you said, inundating you as much as you want for how long you want, you know, and so it is, it is especially hard and it's especially. I agree with you, Ricky. I think it's a lot higher than a lot more than three hours because it may just be three hours in front of a TV or something, but there's a lot of other hours on your cell phone and everything else that uh, that's vying for the attention. It's almost like an electronic vanity fair for the kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's important and this is not original for me and I've heard it from multiple sources, but um, if a parent and the church aren't going to disciple the kids, I would say combined effort. Then someone will; they're oh, going yeah. to have it. It's either they're going to get the biblical teaching, as Nathaniel's saying, or they're not. They're going to get the philosophy of the world, the philosophy of men, and I think that's the important part. Is as we mentioned on the on the front end of the show that only God can save our children. But there's a sense in which we need to preach the gospel, teach them about who God is so that they can come to know the Lord Mm -hmm. that, and that the, with the hearing of the gospel, they will be saved. I mean, I know they have studies. I think focus in the family said like someone has to hear the gospel 10 times or something like that before they'll get saved. I don't know. I don't take much stock in that most in the missionary field, um, missionaries don't usually find their first convent don't have their first convert um, until about seven years into the field. And if we think of our kids kind of as the mission field, I mean, it takes time. Yeah. And if you're only doing it once a week, maybe for some, maybe two hours a week, you know, at my church, three hours a week. I mean, it's not a lot of time when you can consider that um, you go to a public school for nearly eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And so three hours isn't nothing when a school in there. Now, I think parents who send their kids to public school can help train and teach their kids and and, and show them what is true. It may take some effort. Um, but you know, we need to think about our kids are being discipled. The question is who and youth ministry, I think to be done biblically in this age, I don't, you know, while it's not mandated and one doesn't have to, it can be beneficial. We've done right. And I think kind of with it is it needs to be done with the parents in view that the youth pastor is not some professional. I mean john piper i know i said it wrote a book it was brothers we are not professionals and geared towards pastors good book i get that's um to consider and to to think that the church isn't professional that the pastor is a sinner at best mm-hmm. saved by grace yes but he's still a sinner at best and that you know kind of when we think about these things that the parents disciple and the church comes around and helps them in that way. And I think there's um, great value in it um, to do it. And so to help turn the tide in a sense, and maybe even in a way of revival, I think if, as we kind of say, you throw away the entertaining, you're never going to do it as well as the world does. The world has a lot more money to put into that type of stuff. But what makes Christianity different? And just to go, this is what we do. We preach the gospel. We teach them about God. You know, sing some hymns, maybe even some kids really good kids songs. And there's some out there. But our focus is, is that training. And the church helps train their parents to train their kids so that it's done back in the home. Mm-hmm. Will all the kids be saved? No, God is the author of salvation. Right. But when we give them a weak gospel or no gospel at all, there's no chance that they will be saved in that case.
3: Yeah. I think, um, just, to, just a couple of thoughts real quick. Um, one, I think we gotta be careful with the trap. It's it's the mantra now. We we've gotta be serious and we've got to reform youth ministry. And to reform something is to take it back to its biblical roots, of which youth ministry has none. So that side note, but I, I think what I found from speaking from a parent, right, is that is that what you're saying, Mike, about teaching the kids. you're right you can't get it all in three hours and three what i found to be more effective and just what's worked for us is is finding gospel moments in everyday life with the kids on their level you know i'll give you an example we're a big marvel family and so so there was uh, there was one one time i i picked up on that scene right in the original uh i think it was the original venues where loki is in germany they're going to get the iridium and loki's there and he gets out on the street and right and he's he he, he's Puts his staff down and he says, now kneel before me. And they all kneel down. And he makes a remark there. He says, is this not your natural position, right? That that everybody wants to worship something. So I'm able to take that moment, you know, where the kids can identify. And I'm, I'm able to meet my son and my daughter right there at that moment and then have a talk about idolatry. And tie it back to the gospel, and and I think a lot of a lot of uh, from a parent parental perspective, and as little outside the lines that we're talking about. But from a parental perspective, as a Christian, I think it's important that knowing the culture and everything that we're around, not trying to be relevant, but that working within these boundaries, I, I look, I, I found with, with young folks, even outside of our family, it's more effective finding these gospel moments we can live in. And, and meet them right there than trying to just shovel a bunch of theology. I mean, they should go to church and do all these other things. But like you said, too many people put their faith in that two and three hours. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 regarding public schools, and like like you said, I I don't profess to know everybody's situation. Although I think we'd all agree that public schools are probably the uh, not very well suited for for Christian or for kids because of the indoctrination. But but um, if parents are sending, I always caution that. There is nothing in the Bible that ever tells us to send our kids to public schools as missionaries. I think we can very much put our kids in spiritual danger when we try to take that approach and justify sending our kids to school because, well, they're just going to go out into the world. Um, I think we do a disservice to our kids and do a disservice to our Lord um, because there's no such thing. But um, if we got time for the end, I don't know when you guys are done, but I I did run across something that I I think uh, would help. Uh, maybe the conversation, it was a, uh, it's a little card, I don't know where I got this from, I saved it, and I just was able to dig it up real quick, it's a card that this church gives out, And, and I want you to think about what, where we would be right now, if this was the main, main attitude of the church, they hand this out, and it says to the parents of our young children, may we suggest, relax, God put the wiggle in children, don't feel you have to suppress it in God's house, all are welcome, sit toward the front where it's easier for your little ones to see and hear what's going on, They tire of seeing the backs of others' heads, quietly explain parts of the service and the actions of the pastor usher's choir, sing the hymns, pray, and voice the responses. Children learn liturgical behavior by copying you. For our Presbyterian friend uh, Natty. If you have to leave the service with your child, feel free to do so, but please come back. As Jesus said, let the children come to me and remember uh, that the way we welcome children in the church directly affects the way they respond to the church, to God and to one another. Let them know that they are at home in this house of worship. And to the members of our church, the presence of children is a gift to the church and they are a reminder that our congregation is growing. Please welcome our children and give a smile of encouragement to their parents. Amen. Now, could you imagine if, if every church had that attitude and those cards and we're going to get those, I think, sent out. I haven't talked to my pastor yet, but I'm sure he'll be on board with that, handing out to the folks, folks at our church. But I, I think that right there shows, I mean, there's hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, and there's I think,
0: hope. I think with that, um, it begins to create a culture within the church yep. that the, the older people, the younger people that don't have children, it's no longer, it starts to be, build a culture where they don't look when, when that child is squirming a little bit. Like, oh, you do something about your child? You know, I'm trying to listen to the sermon. They're, they become a culture where they, it's just normal you know where you hear that now obviously again if if they if a parent has to take their children out they do it mike we talked about this before you know uh, sometimes we have to take our kids out to discipline them cuz they're getting a little out of yep. control or whatever but at the same time you want them to experience it you want them to ask questions you don't want them to be disruptive but you want them to ask questions so you can let them know what's going on they can be a part that's part of that whole discipling your children or them seeing what the other people are doing within the 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 congregation. Um and and what a bless, I mean that was really encouraging to hear that uh that there that you just quoted there uh Jason. I just uh, add to that if you're in a church and
2: you do hear a little ruckish, a little loud, pray for the family. Amen. They're probably embarrassed. Pray for them. That yeah, they I- can listen and you know and pray for the child too i think it's just that per, makes an opportunity to pray and to foster that similar um mentality that children are a blessing of the lord
3: Amen.
2: and that, um yeah they wiggle and and i try to i try to do that you know my church does have a nursery up to three so after three they come into the service so you do have a little wiggle um but
1: no pun
3: intended yeah, I see what you did there. No the little wiggle. I like
0: it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the good thing, because like like you said there, Mike. A lot of times when I'm as somebody who preaches on the streets, I don't get really distracted by noise or things that are around. You kind of tend to, to learn how to overlook things when you're when you're you're doing that on the streets. And pastors, many many good pastors, I've seen do that as well. They tend to overlook a little bit of noise here and there, and they just keep focused and preach right. Um, but, it, but most of the time, you may hear other kids being a little disruptive, but it doesn't even affect you. But if your child is just a little bit, it's always like, <laughs> it's my child, stop, stop, you know, like, Shh, quiet, right? So, yeah, pray for them, uh, come alongside them, encourage them, because what we want to do is we don't want to see the youth have a hatred for the church, have a disdain for the church, be so uh, inundated with so many other things the media and all the things in the world and not getting it from their parents at home. So when they get to this age where they're able to walk away, they walk away. We don't want to see them exit the church. We want to see them have a, a love for the church. We want, to see, we want to see that fostered within the church, that the church body loves them. Even as unbelievers, they're loving on them and helping those parents, coming alongside those parents uh, as, as the main ones behind the discipling of their children, coming alongside them to assist them. That's what we want to see in the churches so that these children don't exit but that they stay within the body come to genuine faith uh, and Mike as you were saying too I think it's very important we said this in the beginning we, we're here we're formed uh, at G220 so we believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation um, and it is God who saves but we also understand as we've gone through uh, a series on on uh, Proverbs we're not finished with it but we've, we've, we've been going through Proverbs there are biblical principles in the Bible that are not guarantees you may be pouring into your child and they still Walk away from the faith, and that is very heartbreaking. But we have to realize and understand that even in that, God is working in our hearts to bring us to a place where He wants us to be in growth in our in our walk with Him. And we don't know necessarily what He's doing in their life while there seem to be straying. He may bring them back, and He may not. But that's something that we have to trust in the sovereignty of God be in consistent prayer for our children, you know, um, seek the prayer of our brothers and sisters, the saints within our church to say, pray for my wayward child, you know, um, because that's a, it's a hard thing. It's a heartbreaking thing to see your children not walking with the Lord. But we also, we do understand that salvation is of the Lord. You cannot force your kids to be Christian, right? We can right. end up becoming very legalistic in the approaches to try to do that and try to bring about morality, but we have to trust God is sovereign in salvation. As Jason was saying, don't preach them a watered down gospel, but preach them the gospel and and use those opportunities throughout the day. Whether it's watching a Marvel movie, I mean we're not advocating making Marvel right. Bible series. <laughs> but uh sorry about I mean, this. Yeah, there was... you go. Well, Lifeway would probably pick it up, right? But um yeah, yeah. but I was hoping. Yeah. But whatever it is throughout our days, there's always gonna be Gospel opportunities or things that we can show biblical principles, because God's mm-hmm. tr- God's true, and everything around Him that is conforming to the truth is conforming to God, whether they realize it or not. And so we have those opportunities to do that. Um, guys, maybe a little bit. We'll we'll, we'll end it here soon. So maybe each one of you go ahead and and uh, close it out with any last thoughts you may have.
2: Just kind of as you said, you know, with it, but also be encouraged if you're kid has fallen away um you still pray for them as long as they have breath in their lungs they can repent and trust in jesus and even one of my elders his son raised him in the church he walked away lived an ungodly life was saved and his wife was saved and their daughter was saved Um, God still uses you, you know, even your prayers. And so don't stop praying, but you know, again, God, salvation is of the Lord and we can come to him and we can know, you know, that what God does is good and right and just, and, you know, and we're called to be faithful. And if you can, at the end of the day, say, All I've done is what you've told me to do, God is pleased with that. And so just keep going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Talk. I definitely pray and, uh, Keep talking about these things as you rise up, as you lie down, as you go about your business. Um, use every opportunity. Redeem the time and such things. Um, love your children. Tell them about Jesus. It's a, it's a good thing to do. And it shouldn't be just one day a week. It should be every opportunity. My, I, I'll never forget my mom, when she dropped me off at school or when I'd leave the house would always tell me to think about Jesus. And, um, even something as small as that was a big deal. Um, so yeah, do, do all these things.
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think you guys hit it right on the head, um, preach the gospel. I think those three words you could just sum it all up with, your children i know we say that a lot sometimes it becomes a monotone thing to us because we just we live in this you know this ministry and this calling of preaching and so forth but um uh, god has allowed me to taste that once to see how it manifested and grow my oldest uh is uh it it got to a point where it would offend me when people would say oh you did such a great job with Kristen." i know i didn't i didn't um she, got, she came to Christ, she was, she was saved in middle school, and I can tell you that seeing the fruit of the work of God um, manifest itself out to where I never worried about her lying, trying to sneak around, going to parties, there was no contention. Uh, all the way up to when um, you know she didn't socially date. She didn't date till she was in college. So she you know dated with a purpose, ten of marriage. All these things I believe came together, and I was able to taste that and and that goodness because of the gospel. Because she responded to the gospel. Because God saved her. Because the gospel was the priority um in that and i think ricky you mentioned the legalism you know her cousins were grown up they were around her age and all her parents would give them was just legal. do this do this don't do that it was all external things and i told her i said when you wait till your cousin's turn 18 they're gonna go nuts and wild and they did one in, you know one has two kids out of wedlock one is a mess the other one's messed up was messed up on drugs and all this other stuff and it wasn't because the, my parenting was better than theirs it was because she got saved and, and now I see her living as a biblical wife with a biblical husband and, a, and, and so forth. And God has just been extremely generous. But yeah, but that all goes back to preaching the gospel to your kids. And and but when I say that is and sometimes it's hard to disconnect the ministry dad from being dad, dad. You know what I mean? We speak differently differently different and I think uh, I know I'm guilty of not listening sometimes and really trying to hear what where the kids are in their walk and so forth but at any moment trying to look for something whether you see something down the road when you're driving or when you're fishing hunting whatever um, you know to take these opportunities and don't let them pass don't let one pass by try to seize every opportunity to reach out to your to your children and um, for the church you know get back to the bible to what the Bible says about the youth. I think there's the answers. They all lie within everything we've talked about tonight.
0: Yeah. Well, amen brothers. That's uh, episode number 453. We're talking about Exit. Uh, the youth leaving the church. We pray that this was edifying to you and helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail.com. Send us that feedback and let us know what you thought. Maybe you have some some wisdom you'd like to impart to us, something maybe we didn't cover, something that's, that you've prayed for or you've seen develop in, in uh, your church that is doing. maybe they're doing it well uh, in ways to to reach the youth and keep the youth engaged. Uh, And so uh, we'd love to hear from you. That's been G220 Radio. Until next time, God bless and good night.